My Story, an Autobiography of a Homosexual Christian by Derek Michael Shaw Episode 26, My Panic Attack Wednesday, January 17th, 2018 I came home from work after my second counseling session, not realizing how much it was affecting me. Instead, like everyone in my family, I started doing work. I had begun to cook dinner for Tracy and I, even though my therapist had said I shouldn't be doing things for him and I should be treating myself gently. But that didn't stop me. I've always got to be the bigger, better person. I had the benefit of growing up in my quote-unquote functional family. I started making pan-seared salmon with Asian barbecue glaze, white rice, and steamed broccoli. However, my neck started to tighten up before I could even get the rice started. Then the tightness moved to my left shoulder, and as time went on, it seemed to spread up and down my body. For the next three hours, I experienced a severe panic attack. At times, I thought I was having a heart attack or a stroke. At other points, I thought the left side of my body was growing bigger than my right or that my wisdom teeth were rapidly descending into my mouth and shifting all my teeth. My jaw was popping, my joints were creaking. When I closed my eyes, it felt like my head was twisting off my spine. I was in complete panic. It didn't help that Tracy seemed frustrated and also unconcerned about my state. After this episode, he would tell me that he knew it was just a panic attack, and that is why he wasn't more concerned. But in the moment, he couldn't say anything to make me feel better. In the car ride to Zoom Care, an urgent care walk-in clinic, I kept trying to talk to Tracy to calm myself down. But he couldn't take my chatter and told me to be quiet. That ratcheted me up another few degrees, because I imagined pulling into the Zoom Care and Tracy discovering I had died in the car. Very illogical, I know, but I wasn't thinking very logically at this point. When we arrived, I had to wait for about 10 minutes before a doctor could even see me. Right before I was seen, I had even experienced a sharp pain in my groin that made me yell out in the waiting room. And the rest of my experience at the Zoom Care, and actually two Zoom Cares, because I went to one, and then they told me I had to go to another because they didn't have the right drugs to help treat me. This whole night was just plain odd. Looking back, however, I realize it seemed odd because I was in a very unique mental state. I was trying to come to terms with all the stress and change occurring in my life, and I wasn't doing a good job at dealing with it, so my body was responding in confusing ways. It was being glitchy and shutting down. The ZoomCare staff ran a lot of tests on me, a chest x-ray, EKG, and blood draws. The doctor gave me several pills while I was there, muscle relaxers and anti-anxiety medication, and she confirmed that there was nothing physically wrong with me. At first, I couldn't believe how much time, energy, and money was wasted on this experience. But I realize now that the clinic staff gave me proof that I was okay. It would help me over the next week to read and reread the report that I was healthy but I wasn't completely healthy, just my body. My mind was in a very unhealthy state. 
towards the end of my time there, I even joked that I was keeping them all employed, as if that was the reason they were running the tests on me. I stayed home from work for a day to recover, but by the weekend, I was out in the yard raking up 13 30-gallon yard debris bags worth of dead leaves, pine cones, and broken branches. I had definitely neglected the yard in the months leading up to the relationship ending, and the panic attack made me realize I was the only one that could move myself forward and recover from what I had been putting myself through. I still got mad at Tracy. He spent time over at Scott's while I was doing the yard work, and in my mind, I thought I should keep track of the time spent getting the house ready for the sale. I should be paid for those hours. If you extrapolate that notion over the four years we were in the house, then I should have gotten a lot more of the sale profits, because I did most of the maintenance to the house, keeping gutters clear, mowing and raking the yard, sweeping and cleaning the house. I eventually let go of that idea, because I truly just wanted to move on, as best that I could. Until we got an offer on the house, we didn't even know how much money we could get, and ultimately... I just wanted out as soon as possible. Over the next week, January 21st through the 26th, I put in a lot of work into fixing small things around the house, like vents, holes, and lights. It caused more problems between Tracy and I by the noise and smells I created, and it made him uncomfortable. But I didn't really care. In my mind, these repairs were all necessary to selling the house, and nothing was going to delay my timeline of getting out of Portland. My biggest fear at this point was being in this situation for another three months, because I was still worried I would have another panic attack, since I didn't know what truly caused the first one. At this point, I started praying for a quick sale, even though I hadn't really prayed in years. I also finished reading the attached book over this week, and I discussed it with my therapist. By reading the book, I realized that most of the problems Tracy and I had experienced in our relationship were the result of our attachment styles, me as anxious, Tracy as avoidant. It helped me to understand why I stayed in an unhealthy relationship for nine years. The house went on the market on Friday, January 26th, 2018 for $350,000. Both Tracy and the realtor thought that was a good starting price. I personally felt it was too much, but my perspective and thinking were based solely on the past. I saw the toll the house took on me and on my relationship. I viewed the property as a burden, and that affected my thoughts on pricing the property. What I've come to realize, though, is the house was actually a blessing in so many ways during the four years we lived there, and it will continue to be a blessing to both of us as we head off into the next chapter of our stories. And yes, the blessing was even financial. I went up to Seattle for this weekend and spent time with Mike, Megan, and their kids. Tracy had to deal with 16 to 20 different parties that saw the property over the weekend. But by the time I returned on Sunday, January 28th, we had four offers on the table, with one coming in at $370,000. That was $20,000 over our list price. We accepted that offer on Monday, January 29th, and they had requested a February 28th close. 
my prayer for a quick close seemed to have been answered. Having that many offers on the table gave me the confidence to give my notice that I was quitting my job. Because even if this buyer fell through, we had confirmed a backup buyer. And so on January 30th, I went into OHSU and told my manager that I would be leaving my job after the house sold. I explained I really needed a support network surrounding me and I needed time and space to heal from this breakup. My managers were very supportive of the choices I made, and while I would be missed, they understood why I needed to leave. Deep down, however, I was questioning what kind of support I could get from my family, since my parents and older siblings hadn't even met Tracy in the nine years we were together. After giving my notice, I decided to get my wisdom teeth out. I had only ever had my upper two wisdom teeth, but one had started coming in a year prior and since I would be losing my health insurance soon, I decided to get it taken care of now. I called around and was even able to get an appointment for the procedure two days later. My wisdom teeth were removed on February 1st. I didn't want to involve Tracy as we had now been broken up for 31 days. I had my friend Jan drive me to the oral surgeon, and she was required to wait there with me. Afterwards, she drove me back to my house and then went home since I planned to just sleep the rest of the day. I got settled into bed, and Tracy was kind enough to let me sleep in the actual bed on this day. But I realized I had been given paper prescriptions for the pain medication, and so I had to ask Tracy to help me fill them. He said he could pick up my meds between classes, and he even had to pick up his own medication for Enbrel. So it seemed like it would work out. Having that taken care of, I promptly fell asleep for three hours. I had been awake for about 15 minutes when Tracy returned home that afternoon. He came into the bedroom, and I could tell he was in a bad mood. He proceeded to raise his voice and express his frustration at wasting his time to pick up my medication. He was also bothered because he couldn't actually pick up his prescription. There was a problem with the payment card. As soon as he mentioned this, I knew what the problem was. Enbrel had a loyalty support program that helped defray the cost of the drug. Recently, they had sent a debit card loaded with funds to pay for out-of-pocket costs for the drug. I knew the pharmacy probably just needed to have this card on file, but I let Tracy yell and blow off steam before I said I could help him. And he definitely let off steam. In fact, he erupted. He yelled at me said how I had wasted his time with my prescriptions. He was mad. He tore off the front panel of one of his dresser drawers. He picked up a kitchen knife and brandished it in the bedroom, saying he would kill himself, and then walked out the front door. He was expecting me to do something, to respond, because he had done all of these things at various times in our relationship, saying that he wanted to break up, saying he wanted to kill himself, saying he wanted out because I didn't understand him. These were all things he would say as an avoidant to produce a response in me. And it worked for years, because I would try to calm him down or show him how much I loved him or apologize for whatever I needed to or just break down into tears. And he would eventually come back and apologize. Even though I didn't do or say any of these things in this incident, he eventually came back into the room and started to cry, saying he didn't know why he was acting like this. And even though I was a little loopy from the pain medication, 
I knew his reaction was related to his avoidant attachment style. He wasn't dealing with the issues that broke us up. While I had been in counseling and was processing the breakup for the past month, he was avoiding his problems and distracting himself with school and Scott. Don't get me wrong, I had learned a lot in just a few weeks, but the biggest realizations about myself, my family, Tracy, and my relationships were yet to come. Next time on My Story, episode 27, the story of Derek and Tracy.